0: When someone in a biblical story sings, it usually marks an important moment in the narrative and gives us insight into the surrounding story. In Luke's Gospel, we see one of the most beautiful songs in all of the Scriptures. After she receives news that she will bear the Christ child, Mary delivers a poetic declaration about God's sovereign plan and the theological significance of this moment in redemptive history. The child she bears is a sign that God has not forgotten his promises. The child she bears is a sign that God's kingdom has erupted among his people and has upended the order of the world. In their own ways, both Matthew and Mark give a meaningful and extended introduction to the birth of Jesus and the beginning of his ministry. Luke chooses to begin by juxtaposing the story of Mary and the story of Elizabeth, John the Baptist and Jesus are coming in the fullness of time, but Luke allows Elizabeth and Mary to interpret the coming of John, who announces the imminent day of the Lord, and Jesus, who will fulfill messianic expectation with his arrival in the womb of a woman. Some of the first miracles of the gospel story are recounted here A barren woman is with child, and the virgin conceives. The spirit of the one true and living God is at work among the people. The angel tells Mary, Do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. After the angel tells Zechariah about the birth of John, Elizabeth remarks, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among the people. Mary too responds with strong faith, saying, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. When Mary and Elizabeth meet, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaims with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary responds after this in kind with an extended poetic hymn of elevated praise. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Before Jesus even utters a word, the voices of Elizabeth, Mary, Zechariah, angels, shepherds, Anna, and Simeon tell of the explosive theological riches that are unveiled with the arrival of the Christ in the city of David. In beginning his account in this way, Luke associates his story with the grand storyline of messianic hope that weaves throughout the scriptures of Israel. This intertextual narration is designed to remind readers of stories and scenes that they have heard before. As the narrative unfolds its account of something wonderfully new, it uses words and patterns that are old, that are ancient, that are well known to close readers of the Hebrew Bible. Ever since God had promised that the seed of the woman would one day crush the head of the serpent, The biblical writers have taken great care in tracing the descendants that are associated with this promise. The seed of the woman would also be the descendant of Abraham, through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. A ruler would one day roar from the tribe of Judah, and a son of David would one day bring about the obedience of the peoples and rule over an eternal kingdom with righteousness. Mary's words not only anticipate what is about to happen in the life of Jesus, but they also echo the words of another Jewish woman who long ago had prayed a prayer of joy after experiencing the sorrow of shame, the trauma of barrenness, and the brokenness of long-suffering. Hannah's prayer that begins the book of Samuel anticipates the work of God through Samuel and later David, while also drawing on the power of messianic hope and the promises of the Pentateuch. Just as Mary will one day proclaim, Hannah homes in, on a vision of God in His sovereign and surprising ways that speaks to and beyond her moment in redemptive history. Hannah prays, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord, there is no one besides you, there is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such ignorance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warrior are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and He exalts. He raises the poor from the dust, and He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of His faithful servants. But the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Much of Hannah's song echoes the song that Miriam sings in Exodus 15. There the song reflects on both judgment and salvation. The superpower of Egypt has been brought low, while the people of Israel, who had been oppressed, have been delivered. God had kept his promises to the patriarchs and shown that he is mighty to save in the signs and wonders of the Exodus. Accordingly, Hannah affirms that there is no one like the God of Israel, who is a savior of his people, who is like an immovable rock. Hannah next develops the theme of reversal that is so important in Luke's gospel. The powerful fall, but the lowly are established. As Mary will later sing, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and He has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. Mary recalls God's promises in the covenant with Abraham, and Hannah also draws on hope of a coming ruler in the terms of the prophetic poems of the Pentateuch. She says that the Lord will judge the ends of the earth, He will give strength, to his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. This king is spoken of, in Genesis 49 and Numbers 24, as the lion from the tribe of Judah who will rule in righteousness and bring about a new exodus that will also bring about the obedience of the peoples. There are many other angles that we might pursue when thinking about Luke's opening chapters and the rhythm of his Christmas narrative. But pondering the deep significance of the words of these women, are an excellent way to see the riches of redemption in Luke's intertextual account of Jesus' birth. The poetry of Hannah, Mary, and Miriam's songs are a symphony of hope that tells the story of God's sovereign goodness, his care for the brokenhearted, and his advent that upends the order of the world. Praise the Lord for his grace. (laughs)